folks, and welcome to This Is Who We Are. I'm Sean Watkins. This is my podcast and my new album, all rolled into one. Each episode features one song off the record paired up with a conversation with a guest who is related to that song in some way. And that's the main point. Each guest is either loosely or sometimes directly related to the song in one way or another. The goal is just to use this album as sort of a topical springboard for me and my guests. And from there, we can go anywhere. On this episode, I'll be talking with John Foreman, who you most likely know uh, as the lead singer, frontman of the band Switchfoot. He and I also have a side project together called Fiction Family. Um, We made a couple records and did a bit of touring, but um, yeah, you most likely know him from his band Switchfoot. Um, So there are two reasons why I wanted to have John on this particular podcast. Mainly, the subject matter uh, in the song is, is something that John and I have talked a fair amount about over the years which is the importance of self-examination on um, both the personal and national level. Also, I sent him a pretty early demo of this song uh, a couple years ago when I wrote it, and he responded with some really helpful feedback. So coming up next, I will play the album version of the song, which is called This Is Who We Are. Guess where the name of this podcast came from, guys? Anyway, after that, we'll get into my talk with John, uh, but if you stick around to the very end you will hear a alternate version of this song, a much more rocking version um, with drums and bass. Going into making this record, I'd sort of made a rule for myself that there wouldn't be any rhythm section instruments, no drums or bass. And we pretty much stuck to that rule, although Simon, who plays Hammer Dulcimer in the Beat Eaters, did overdub some upright bass on a couple songs. But um, yeah, this song, when we got done, it was just begging for a bigger treatment, and um, so I caved, and I figured it would just be for me, just to listen to it for fun, but uh, now it's for you guys as well. Um, but let's not get ahead of ourselves here. First, I'm going to play you the album version of the song, This Is Who We Are. This song was recorded in the first batch of five songs, uh, which we did up on a farm in Santa Barbara in a Quonset hut. It was recorded and engineered by none other than my good pal, Glenn Phillips. Here we go, folks. This is the album version for This Is Who We Are. Don't turn away 
I'm here with my good pal, John Foreman, here at his lovely house in Encinitas, California. Um, I should let all you guys know that he has his lawyer present. That's right. Um, lawyer. He's uh, How long have you been in, in law, this little guy? Um, I don't think he has his degree yet. <laughs> he doesn't have a degree in I mean, quotes. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, what is a degree, really? You know, like if you're a lawyer, and you know what the right thing is. Well, if you learn law by sucking your thumb he's he's getting a lot of learning in right now that's right yeah, yeah. he he knows what's right and wrong yeah he's uh i would trust him more than i trust a lot of i a lot of people i, I would too and he's got a lot of trust in me right now too yep. so he's he's yeah. uh what a solid three months old exactly today three yep. months old oh wow today yeah amazing um so just as an intro, John and I are bandmates in a band that never plays, but we but we love each other and we like to hang out. Um, we we have a band called Fiction Family. We made a couple records before that. Well, I should also say John is the lead singer of the band Switchfoot. Just a little background: we met at a festival uh, in downtown San Diego, and we'd heard of each other's bands because uh, we were both local, and we were on the same bill. And I remember uh, hearing... It was an amazing could... bill. It, right. Who was it? It was... Uh, oh, Wilco? Wilco, R-E-M. Um, Macy Gray. Macy Gray, uh, Switchfoot, and, and Nickel Creek. Yeah. And I remember hearing that you were in a, um, a backstage dressing room kind of around the corner. And I remember thinking, well, you know what? I'm tired of hearing about these guys and not knowing them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pretty... sick of it. Yeah. I've had it. And um, so we popped our heads in there and said hi. 
and um, and said, hey, let's hang out sometime, as you do, um, but usually don't follow through with. But we did. <laughs> I, I remember we said, we should write a song sometime. Yeah. Which is even less likely to happen. Yeah. And it happened. Yeah. It, it's 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 definitely like the musician's version of, yeah, let's grab coffee someday. Yeah. Um, but we, I, well, we actually did. We, we met, I think... Again at a coffee shop, and then and then we really really solidified it and wrote a song. And, the next um, room over, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. He was like an office or something at the yeah, time. Yeah, still is. Yeah. <laughs> G- glamorous. Yeah. You know. Um. So, sort of the topic of the evening here is uh, self reflection on a personal and national level and the importance of it um around the time that i i was writing a lot of these songs and this song in particular uh what was sort of around the the election time in um in 2016 and i remember hearing a lot of pundits and people on tv and a lot of just a lot of people saying like this isn't this isn't who we are this is not america this is um i don't know who you know a lot of people kind of being shocked and in a wide time span not just like you know when um when the election happened but but since then and all the all the things that have kind of come up and very shocking to a lot of people um and i was thinking i've talked about this with you john in the past in various ways but in traveling around as you and i have done for so many years all over the world but specifically like the united states you really see um, you see a lot of the stuff that you don't really see <laughs> living in, in this California bubble. Um, yeah. And yeah. especially when you, like I've spent tons of time in the South, so much time, I guess maybe by the nature of my music. Not Southern California. You yeah. Mean. <laughs> the Southern American States. Um, and, um, growing up in Southern California, you know, it's a certain vibe and there are a lot of things that are the same throughout America and the States, but there's a lot of differences. It's a huge, huge country. Um, and, uh, and that's not gonna, that's no novel concept, but, um, but I was just thinking about the idea and the importance of, of self-reflection. And as a nation, I think we're at a point where we're really looking at things that are happening and, you know, some people are turning blind eyes. Some people are kind of going along with it. A lot of people are resisting. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff that's sort of surfacing as a result of this administration. And um, you and I were talking earlier, and I, I feel like if there is anything anything good that I see, it's that we're able to, to see these things and these people pop up in the spotlight. And I think that that is sort of um, something that might initiate some change. Like, for instance, I, you know, you travel around, you see, you don't see a lot of it here in California and Southern California. Um, but when you travel around to other parts, you see a lot of racism and you hear a lot about it. And, um, you know, for two white kids growing up in California, you know, that is a very, um, you know, it's a very privileged way to grow up and, and you just don't, you just don't see it. You hear about it and you, you think it's something of the past, but when you're actually out there and you, you see it and you talk to people, um, it's a much different thing. And, you know, like when the Charlottesville stuff happened, um, and you see these people on TV with, with torches and you hear the vitriol and the hate, it's just really, it's, it's right there. You see it, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I think, 
you know, hopefully, the, hopefully that uh, that sort of visibility will kind of help people sort of realize that that is out there. And it, it's always been a part of our American culture. And uh, so I don't know. I guess my question for you is, I mean, you see you see a wide um, swath of America and different cultures and backgrounds, and you talk to you talk to a lot of people, and um, and I really respect your your ability to to talk to anyone and be to be able to engage in really thoughtful dialogue with people who may or may not share your opinions. And um, that's why we're still friends, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, you're you're you you've been reaching across the aisle to 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 me for a long time, <laughs> um, but like where do you see change happening um, for the good, or do you see change happening for the good, and if so, um, where? That's a that's a great question. Um, I think there's always hope. There's always these moments of beauty and transformation transcendence where you see um you see something beautiful shine through right and um i think you're right that we can only know what we know like the, the crazy thing is we don't know what we don't know yeah right so like i know what one plus one equals you know, that's something I know, but I don't even know to ask the questions of the things I don't know, right. the crucial parts of life. Right. And that's true for all of us. And we all have our blind spots and exactly. the thing is we don't know what our blind spots are because of they're us. blind spots. That's the definition of blind spot. Yeah. And, and, um, I think that the beauty of a time like this, if you could call it beauty, because it is anything but beauty in the moment, it feels ugly. It feels, yeah. it feels, uh, horrible it feels like uh we're being confronted by the worst ugliness ever so it's hard to call it beauty but if there's a moment a uh, instance of beauty it's it's the fact that we're actually um especially like you're talking about um growing up in north county san diego like we're actually um face to face with these things that we'd rather not be face to face with and the stuff that, you know, my friends who are black or, um, Hispanic or Asian, whatever, where they're, they've been saying, oh yeah, this happens all the time. And you're like, no, that's, this is America. This is 2018. Um, and they're like, yeah, no, this is not news. This is, this is, you know, so I think the fact that we are, um, as a country that this stuff is, is, um, being kind of thrust into the the spotlight is um has has created these dialogues that I don't think would have existed otherwise. Yeah. You know, so many amazing conversations that I've had in the past, you know, two or three years that have come from horrible situations. You mentioned Charlotte. Um I think, you know, there's Kaepernick's another uh great example of a conversation that I find fascinating. I feel like, um, these are, these are areas where, um, we, I want dialogue. I want to know what I don't know yet. Yeah. You know, there's this, I've been, I read this book, um, called thinking fast and slow. Mm -hmm. Um, or I'm in the process of reading it. And 
it talks about the two systems at work in your brain. System one, which is very like, um, it's a, it's a reflex almost. It's, it's, uh, instant. You read something without knowing you read it. It right. just happens. Um, one plus one equals two. It's there before you can even try and have it. Um, and, and yet system two, system two is more of the, the computing, um, 256 times 74, suddenly you, you, your eyes kind of get a little smaller and you, you think, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to get some pen and paper. Um, but the problem is system two, though effective is lazy. So it relies on system one a lot. Right. And so, um, system one will say, I got this. I know this. I got it. Um, in in places where it might not be right. Mm-hmm. And I think it was this book has been very humbling for me because it has shown me I, there's a lot that I need to learn. Like okay, for example, um a a ball and a bat cost a dollar and 10 cents. The right. bat is a dollar more than the ball. How much is the ball? 10 cents? Right? You think it's 10 cents, but if if the ball is ten cents, then or, the bat right. is a dollar and ten cents. It could also be sixty and fifty. No, because the 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 bat is a dollar more than the ball. Oh right. So you think your your system one says it's got to be ten cents. Truth is, it's five, because five cents plus a dollar and five cents equals a dollar and ten cents was the total for both the bat and the ball. Right. Um. But your your system one's like, I got this. It's easy. I got. So it. it's more than a dollar more. It's it no the bat is it's still a dollar more than the ball. Oh right, dollar five. Yeah, it's just a dollar five. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, I think we we go into to politics and um, most of our life with this kind of binary thinking. Yeah. It's like black or white. Does do black lives matter or do blue lives matter? And it's like, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, let's talk about years of slavery and racism and. And sure, let's also talk about, um, you know, police brutality. But I think it can't be this kind of, uh, you know, two-minute news piece to kind of gloss over years and years of what we've been yeah. through as a nation. Yeah, you squeeze hundreds of years of, of of history and drama between these two cultures into sound bites and little yeah, two-minute stories. Yeah, and I think it it's it really works well for a news piece, you know, because you you got to get out of it in two minutes, or or heaven forbid, an election, you know. I think, but that kind of system one thinking is is flawed. Yeah, you know, in in all of us, not just me, but for all of us. And um, I mean, we were talking earlier about how the portion of the brain that religion and politics is it directly like in the same area as fight or flight, yep. right? Yeah. I remember recently listening to an interview with a neuroscientist who said that it was a piece on, you know, on getting together with, with family members over um, the holidays and how to sort of navigate, you know, topics um, where people disagree. And he was, he was just saying like, listen, when you get that feeling of, you know, just that visceral feeling of anger, like you feel you're right and the other person's wrong. That's because our political and largely our religious beliefs are physically located in the same area as our survival instincts. So that's why we get this feeling. You get this like rush of adrenaline. <laughs> it's totally the same thing. And once you realize that, I think if more people realize that, 
it would be so much easier to have conversations because you could say, oh, I recognize that feeling. That's just my dumb brain that's wired this way. And I'm scared. And I'm nervous because you're undermining the very things that I hold dear. Yeah, it's threatening. That'd be such an honest way to approach it. Like what you said is very threatening to my worldview. (laughs) What you're saying is possibly going to make me rethink a lot of things that I held to be true and that's something i don't want to do right now so it's i'm it's going to 10 30 and i yeah <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm gonna steal something from one of my um favorite comedians pete holmes and his podcast he always he talks about this bumper sticker that he saw and i've looked it up i can't figure out who wrote it where it came from but um and it ended up using it in one of the songs on this record but it's um don't believe everything you think Wow, yeah. And that's just, that kind of goes along with what you're talking about. Like, yeah, I thought when you said that, that little equation, I was like, oh, clearly it's $1 yeah. and 10 cents. You know, that's my, that, and that seemed like 100% true. Absolute truth. It, right. And then, and then it's so easy to just knock that down. And, um, and I love, I love those moments. I love, and I used to, I used to kind of find them threatening, but now I'm trying to, well, I'm not trying. I'm just, I I think the more people you talk to and the more ideas you, you are open to, the more that, that feeling kind of goes away. That feeling of being threatened by, by another person's idea. And I also think that, you know, when we're talking to people, I find you're not, your inability to be threatened and, um, very threatening. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man i need to i need to i need to put some back in the mix then uh, but i also think it's it's really important for for us all and i i try to remember this that like when you're talking to when i'm talking to someone first of all i don't want to change people's minds i'm not interested anymore in. i used to be interested in you know i loved debating certain topics with certain people and that was kind of fun, but it kind of led nowhere. And, you know, no one's going to change anybody's mind. You only change your own mind based on stuff you hear, and, and especially if you hear it in a non-threatening way. And um, oh, where was I going with this? Oh, I was going to say, basically, you're not going to change anybody's mind unless you yourself are open to being wrong yourself. You know, hmm. that's the only place where, like, a real healthy dialogue happens. Yeah. Like, I have to be willing when I'm telling someone something that I really believe to be true or something that I really feel is helpful. Um, I have to be willing to know that that I could be totally off with that. Um, yeah. And I think if you are truly in that space, then other people will be so much more receptive, you know, and that's not to say here's a trick to get people to think like you think it's just, I think it's a good thing to remember that will encourage like a more honest dialogue, not based on fight or flight fear yeah, I mean it's called Stuff. mutual respect or yeah. <laughs> consideration, compassion, love, friendship, you yeah. know. I I think the 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 danger is that our our thinking is becoming again binary yeah. and in that binary kind of dichotomy, it's almost a segregation where our news feeds are entire populated by the people that we agree with. Yep. And so any anyone that paints in some other color is immediately like laughed out of our mind. Yeah. That can't possibly be true because 99% of everything I've heard says otherwise. Um, but I think it really is like, if you ever want to, to change, um, a situation, I do think, um, it's, it sounds so cliche and like 
corny almost, but they're cliches for a reason, right? Love goes so much further. Yeah. Like when you see someone with, with compassion, um, like if someone's going to be, uh, saving my life or on a lesser scale, like loving me, helping me, showing me the, the way forward in, in a small way, I am, I'm so much more open to anything they have to say. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the idea of, you know, system one, system two, a lot of our beliefs and ideas about the world are formed based on the people that we respect and trust and love, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and if you can show someone, Hey, I care about you. And I, I think this might be a better way of looking at things in a way that feels like you actually still have respect for them. I mean, gosh, that's going to change, change the world right there, you know? Or just even just here's a different way of looking at it, you know? Like, yeah. you've got your way. I'd like to hear about your way. And here's, because we're all a product of our, you know, our lives so far. Whatever your life is, that has everything to do with your worldview. Yeah. Um, and we all have a different life experience. So how could we all have a similar worldview, right. you know? And some people... Some people um, are raised with a, a more fearful, you know, othering sort of um, a way of survival. You know, it, it, and it is survival. It's when you can, when you can separate someone else out and clearly say them and us, and and you know, tribalism is built into our our DNA as people. And um, you know, I mean, there are so many main general things you can take from. Uh, the Bible, but I feel like the New Testament in general is just kind of destroying that idea of othering and um, sort of ushering a uh, inclusiveness into um, our way of thinking, you know, like, hmm. and it kind of mirrors, I think the way, you know, when you, when you grow up as a kid, you, you've got your family and you've got your people that you know, and that's your tribe. And then you, you go out into the world and you, you realize that there are other people that you identify with and that ultimately you can kind of identify with, with everybody. Um, and I sort of see that in sort of the progression of, of like the greater story of, of the Bible. And that's interesting to me because, you know, America considers itself and a lot of people in America consider, you know, America, a, a Christian nation. And that is, um, really frustrating for people who um kind of see um large messages in the bible um, of inclusivity <laughs> inclusivity inclusive what would the word i think be? inclusivity might inclusivity. be a good one yeah it sounds um, right yeah and um my lawyer my lawyer agrees yeah i heard some some peeps from him over there <laughs> <laughs> um let me um, think about what I had. I had another question here. I, um, while you're thinking about it, yeah. The I love what you had to say about um, the inclusive nature of it all. I mean, we had that song in the second fiction family record, "Put Your God Badge Down." Yeah. There is no us or them, just folks that you do or don't understand. Yeah. Um, I think that we all, even if you don't believe in God you have, we all deputize ourselves with our version of the truth and we become indignant when people don't 
fall into line with what we think is right. Yeah. And it's, it's this self-righteousness that comes out of like, I mean, a good noble cause where it's like, well, everyone should do this, you know? Um, but so, I mean, the, the crazy thing is that you look back on history, even science, science is this, you know, kind of, I think what we'd all say is objective truth, you know, yeah. scientific method. And yet what we say is science in has the year 2018 totally changed. has changed. Like yeah. science and, you know, in the 1800s completely contradicts a lot of the things we hold true today. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to quantum physics, there's so many things that are so hard to wrap my head around that yeah. people hold to be true, yeah. that, that, objects are two different temperatures at the same time on the molecular level, you know, where you're like, uh-huh. okay, say that again. How, how does that yeah. work? And yet that is truth. Um, I think it, it becomes this, 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 it comes back to that level of compassion, actually believing someone and finding yourself in their story, you know? Yeah. And also just kind of, you know, <laughs> it's, I've been trying to ask myself, big questions about words that I take for granted, like, like truth, for instance, like what is truth? <laughs> Can you define it? Um, you know, I mean, I guess people would say, um, well, they, they would sort of have, everybody's got a lot of different answers for it, but I've been thinking about this lately. That, like we have this, um, desire as humans to, to hold, to have a part of our brain where it's like, there's the truth zone. I know all the things that are true that go into this part of my brain. I've got this little collection of truth. Um, and it's fun to kind of own it and feel like you've got a collection, but really like the truth is out there. Um, I mean, truth is everywhere. It's out there. It's somewhere. (laughs) And, uh, we can kind of move in and out of it and find it and discover it. And it, as I talk about this kind of stuff, it just starts sounding really like new agey and kind of open. But um, I guess what I'm saying is it's fun to kind of think of truth as being something that's not necessarily owned, but something that you can like approach. I agree. I had a article I wrote for Huffington Post about the idea that um, something to the effect that like it's, it, I think we we all want to own something as if it was ours, yeah. but maybe truth actually it's the other way around. Truth yeah. owns us, yeah, and we we are a part of it or not, yeah. You know, like it's not like you can say, oh yeah, hey, this is this is something, this is something I've got in my back pocket. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like you to meet this God that I <laughs> yeah. wrote down on this piece of paper. Yeah, you know, it's like wow, if it's this transcendent deity that. Yeah. You've it's got in your whole, on a piece of paper in your back yeah. pocket. I don't know if that that works. It's you that know? stupid, that old stupid, like the moon and the finger thing. Yeah, you know? like, yeah, exactly. Like that's such a such a thing that's been overused. But sometimes it's those cliches that really end up being helpful. Yeah, and that that Leonard Cohen uh, quote: "There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in." Yep. I love that because I feel like as humans, you know, whether it's theologians or politicians or songwriters or whatever. Um, we're always polishing, trying to make it perfect, trying to get it, yeah. get rid of the cracks, get rid of the inconsistencies. Yeah. And yet, um, that's oftentimes where beauty finds us, where light finds us, where God finds us yeah. is like kind of in the broken places. Yep. It's so true. And I hope that that could be something that would be true for our nation, that we would find 
out of this really torn didactic like binary time where it just feels ugly and and there's some horrible things every day on the news that you can focus on i'm hoping that it will bring out conversations that of that will lead to beauty and yeah understanding ourselves better understanding our neighbor better and um maybe a little bit more compassion yeah i i think yeah kind of bringing this back around i really think that that's that is the bright side of things right now um that these things that are surface i was thinking about have you ever done those things those strips you put on your like your skin and your like your face your nose and you take them off and you see all those like blackheads and you're like that was in my skin <laughs> have you ever done I one had, of those? i've never had but i i had so much acne as a kid you didn't have to do a strip <laughs> it was just it was just all over man yeah. you could i had this one zit on the tip of my nose i think it was like there for three years oh, so yeah. yeah you know <laughs> man it's so weird your body just is like, hey, you know, for a few years, I'm just going to really mess with your face. Yeah. Also, those years are going to be the years you're most self-conscious about yourself. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Trying to figure out who you are. Thanks, body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I'm the dude with the zit on my nose. I think that's who I am. Um, you mentioned a little while back uh, the cliche of just loving people and, you know, people who are... Who are seemingly opposed to you in in one way or another and um and i wonder maybe you don't want to talk about it or maybe you don't have anything to say about it but i remember seeing um the video of you going out and giving like water to people that were protesting at a concert like a switch for concert and they yeah. were they were churchgoers of some kind and they they had a they had a lot of opinions on on the the state of your sincerity <laughs> yeah and um i don't know where the video came from but you were just kind of like out there hanging out with them being nice and um <laughs> and it was really cool i'm curious like your perspective did you ever get any feedback from it like have you ever talked to anyone who was that vehemently opposed to something you were doing um have you ever had a conversation that where it seemed like they were hearing you for who you are or because a lot of times it's just stonewall i yeah. believe this and i'm not going you can't change me and i've yeah. talked to those people too todd my right. brother-in-law and i got uh they were i think we were playing with jackson brown and i think he was out with us and there were some major protesters and they had signs and they were yelling all kinds of really hateful stuff about you know, we're going to hell. And were there kids there with with them? Yeah, there were some kids. Yeah, and that, that, that was a dark thing for me. You're like, oh man, yeah, this is just wh how these kids are being. So was that raised. like after a show? Do oh, you remember? before a show. So before there's show. like thousands of people like in line waiting to get into the show, and they show up and they just start like. Where was this, by the way? Do you remember? This happened a bunch. They they kind of followed us around for a little right. while, and um. The first few times, I mean, they've been, they've been, they've found, they've been protesting us for years. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, are there like fam familiar faces? Like, no, well, at first I tried to ignore it. Mm -hmm. So I would just be like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to think about it. Mm -hmm. I don't, I just, we'll let the people in as early as we can, yeah. but I don't want to think about it. And then, then it, you start to get mad. You get frustrated. You hear mm -hmm. what they say to people and you're like, oh my gosh, that, this sweet little girl that you just said that to, that is, you know, you get, you know, you start mm -hmm. to find the anger. Right. The frustration rises. And um, um, I think that's what they want. Like, really, 
deep down this feels like there's they want a confrontation right. of sorts and so it was it just so happened i i listened to this podcast of this guy um who was in a similar situation and he had this crazy dream and in this dream he was in heaven and and he and god was like there and and there were these hands that were that were crafting a statue mm-hmm. and and god said well you should cheer him on you know and he's like okay go go do your thing you know good luck you know and 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 then god said to him would you like to meet the hands that are craft that have crafted the statue and he said sure and the rest of the bodies of the hands become visible and it's these people that have been protesting him and tormenting him for the last few years and the concept being that these hands of these people that were frustrating him and and you know dogging his every step were actually forming something beautiful in him yeah and it kind of it really got to me that that metaphor and i thought man okay so i this is this there's something beautiful that's going to come from this like mm-hmm. the, i i was like expectant i was ex- i like then cuz it happened the night before and then the next day i thought to myself oh man i really hope they show up because i was i was not not in a way that i i'm i'm going to like I'm going to pro I'm going to go out there and fight him or something. I was yeah. like excited. I was like thank you so much for being here. And that's the way I went out. I I I got this uh case of waters cuz it was like 40 degrees and kind of raining. It was freezing cold, yeah. you know, for for California kid. Yeah. <laughs> um and they had all these kids out there and I was like oh man, they've been out there all day. I don't agree with what they're doing, but it takes a lot of dedication, whatever right. you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And so I went out there with water and was like, hey, I just want to say, I disagree with what you're doing, like what you're doing, but I really want to thank you for the passion that you have. Like, that's hard to find. No one has passion these, these days. Yeah. Thank you for your passion. And yeah. I'm in the band and I just want to say on behalf of the band, um, here's some waters and just let us know if you need anything. And um, did you feel any sort of... I felt like he was shocked he um i reached out my hand to shake his hand was it like the leader of the yeah the group? yeah and um he wouldn't he like he just started yelling at me right and wouldn't shake my hand yeah but i had like it felt like i was so like with the metaphor i was just so excited i was just smiling and not in a way i was not like better than or right or condescending it was just i was just so thankful it, i i really feel like it was a gift that i had like well, that the element. thing is they're there to engage with you in some in some way and they probably didn't expect at all to actually engage physically with you you know i mean they wanted to engage with the concept of you what you're whatever they're doing and i don't even know what they were protesting protesting i mean i can imagine switchfoot will send you to hell and <laughs> <laughs> and they, 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 a lot of uh, horrible, horrible things that happened. Yeah. So th- then the next, a few days later, they showed up and I was able to take a few of them out to coffee. Wow. And that was really good. Like it felt like um, I was able to have a conversation with them. And that, I feel like conversation is 
like conversion is transformation is changed minds. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how we learn. I learn from that. You learn from it. Yeah. We all, that's, you know, so that was like, what did you, what did you ask them? Did you ask them what they wanted or what they were wanting to I asked portray? Them, yeah. I was just like, um, what, you know, where, where are you coming from? How did you get to this mm-hmm. point in your life? What is, where, you know, what's, what's their meaning? And, I think that when it comes to the Christian faith, when it comes to any faith, especially right now, the the loudest voice that is the most black and white seems to hold the most sway as somehow it holds more truth than yeah. someone who will acknowledge that life has many colors and life has a, these gray areas and life life's complex and rich and beautiful, but difficult. Yeah. I mean that voice that that acknowledges those places mm-hmm. is rarely the one that people want to hear. Oh, it's boring as hell. Right? You want to hear the guy who's like black and white. Yeah. Fear, hatred, yeah. love, joy. <laughs> like just, you know, that's what a chorus is, right? Yeah. It's just like this one thing. Yep. It doesn't explore the rest of life. Just no. one thing. No. And so I feel like um but the moment we you know, when you're on your deathbed, you you got questions when you're like you know, when you just got in a divorce with your wife or your best friend, you just got in a fight with him or when, when your mom dies, like these are times that you're like, yeah, I don't, I got a million questions and no answers, you know? Um, and so I think those are moments where we see ourselves in even our enemies or the people that disagree with us and, and you find your commonality. Yeah. Um, but I think, it's really difficult for it was really difficult to communicate to that particular tribe um because i feel like they wanted to they wanted to be the black and white they wanted to be different they wanted to have a voice right. that was other than compassion you yeah know? actual communication was not ever in their uh it wasn't plan. what they were hoping for yeah it was kind of more of a i felt like i was they were more excited to yell i also wonder like if these people actually believe this stuff you know like some of them i feel like you look at them and you think like well then again like i don't know like what do you what do you call belief but like um i i just i wonder how much uh these people if they actually felt free to think their own thoughts and form their own opinions based on the world without fear um, I think who who's without fear, you know, everyone's afraid of something. Yeah. And I think our fears are often the things that speak the loudest. And that's a really dangerous place. You know, I do think that fear is the thing, right? It like is, that's... but I think the fear of questioning is a different kind of so fear. So dangerous, it's, it's, right? It's more different than being afraid to die or being afraid of yeah. uh, flying. Because it's because you're completely handicapping your ability to form opinions that are your own, you know, or or to form your opinions ba- based on new understandings of truth. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, and 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 I think there's so there's this um, in in the the New Testament it talks about you know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that was something that. I was talking about with these people because they, they were throwing scripture in kind of a really like firm way, you know, and, and growing up as a pastor's kid, I, I know a little bit of scripture, like a lot of it, a lot of it. (laughs) And I was, I was saying the, the way, you know, 
that 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 has a couple meanings, and one of them is the manner that he is the manner in which we are to called to live. Um, in which case, um, the way you talk about something is as important as what you say. Yeah. So if you if you're you know spewing hatred, even if it's like even if you got one plus one equals two in there somewhere, yeah. that mannerism is is unloving. And it's that that's out of line with the mannerism in, in which God came to the earth. Yeah. You know, right? Where you're like, if you're gonna cite the New Testament, you have to do it in a in a manner that is becoming of someone who would say, No, God is love. Yeah. And so that's where I think um that's where in all humility I, I try to get to and fail, but that's where I'm attempting to come from. Yeah. And you know, kinda of maybe getting back to that book you were talking about where the the two different um what was it the two different Thinking um, fast and slow. Fast and slow. Um and the one that's more mathematical you were the saying system is, two. Is system two and that's more just lazier. It is more likely to take its cues from system one and say, oh, I guess system one, he's got this covered. Yeah. And system one is, is often like, th- that's the same reason why like a pickpocket or a magician can, can get you. Cause system one's like, no, 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 he, he didn't get my watch. Yeah. I, I've been seeing the whole thing. Yeah. And, and you're like, well, your watch isn't there. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's one of the reasons I love magic. I love yeah, I love I love watching a really good magician. Um, uh, I have a really good friend named Derek Hughes that um, he prides himself. He loves you know he's really funny. He does amazing tricks. He's he he, he opened um, for you guys, right? He, yeah, he traveled. To yeah, he opened up for us for a long time. And um, he one of the things he loves to do is kind of point out the difference between uh point of the things in our brain that um that we rely on that we say like okay you you say this is true i believe you you know like yeah so he'll you know put a quarter in his hand turn his hand over and then turn his hand over again and the quarter is totally gone and there's absolutely no explanation by the way you could see how these people like back in the day would easily be called witches and be like because because you're there's no logical explanation your, yeah. your brain has those uh there aren't things built into your brain that will explain what you just saw. And one of the things he loves to do is just point that out and be like, Hey, this is happening to us all the time. All around us, things are, our, our brain is making decisions and saying, Oh, I just saw that. I believe that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and our brain has to, that's how we survive. Um, but part of his kind of mess, <laughs> if he has a message is, is just to be aware that our brains, you know, you can't really, trust them especially with their initial assessments of things and to be able to have some kind of like maybe maybe this is it bringing back around to the self kind of um you know self-reflection uh a little bit of self-reflection will go a long way yeah you know and and realizing that you don't that that what you see is not always what's happening and humility can can be is always appropriate that's what it is right That, that is humility where you say okay I I literally know I'm wrong. Yeah. About things I don't even know I'm wrong about. Yeah. Like to enter a conversation like that is mm-hmm. is so humble and no one ever says that. Yeah. But it's true about all of us. Like you know, we literally all of us are wrong in some way. Can you imagine how many television sets would get turned off 
if someone on a network news show just started the conversation like that. Yeah. It would be like boring. I mean, they would get yanked off the set. Yeah, he's no longer a a talking head that you trust. He's no, no. longer. My my daughter wrote this thing on a piece of paper one time. It just said simply, "I doubt myself." Sometimes I doubt myself, and I'm like, "That is the most honest mm-hmm. assessment that I've ever seen." That's amazing. If all of us could start any conversation with yeah. that, hey, just want you to know. Sometimes I doubt myself. Yeah, I just wish that there are things that I'm realizing now that I wish, I wish that had been more at the focal point of. Um, I mean, I had such an amazing upbringing in my parents, but just people around me, people that I grew up with, and but that idea of um, being kind of proud of not knowing, um, proud of, uh, not being proud of doubting, but like... Okay with... Being okay with it and knowing yeah. that that is a, it's actually a strong suit. It's it's, mm. it's a strength to be able to, to, uh, to doubt um, and be honest with, with yourself about what you what you feel or know to be true. Um, yeah. It's, it's just, it is, it is true humility. Um, and I, I wish that it was more, it was encouraged more, especially yeah. within, you know, religious environments and establishments. Even um, or, or, up. or like universities. Like yes. if you, like, I think it's, it's rare to find someone who's okay with not knowing. Yeah. Um, and it's such a beautiful, th- I mean, when do you ever hear someone say, Wow, I, I, you've given me something to think about. I, I have to, I have to question my worldview. Right. Which you know, yeah. What usually what we say is something angry and like yeah. that's not true, you know. Yeah. But I mean, the fact of the matter is like, um, none of us know what we don't know. Like yeah. we were talking earlier, and and I feel like that that is such a strong point. The funny thing is like. If you were to come to me and say, Sean, or say, say, John, I, I need you to know, I think two plus two is five. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not going to start yelling at you. I'm not going to be angry. Also, I really love that Radiohead song. I, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, like trying to scream you into some other truth that two, two plus two equals two. I'm going to be. I'm going to come to you with compassion because I'm very sure that two plus two equals equals is four. Yeah. So I'm going to be like, wow. So what, where did you come from to, to arrive at that conclusion? Right. Um, I think the reason why we respond with anger and, and hatred and frustration and such high emotion is because we doubt like the person who's the most sure Mm -hmm. of the truth is rarely the one that's yelling. Right. Yeah. So that's that's been my like kind of a compass true north through yeah. all of this is being like, wow, that guy's yelling. He's not sure. That right. guy's yelling. He's not sure. Like whoever's yelling. It's a big armor shield that goes up because is, because they're hiding is, yeah, something. And is, yeah. and they might not even know that they're hiding something. Yeah. But that was the thing that I thought of when the protesters were yelling at me is like this is um this is coming from a place that they're not sure of. Another thing is the the victim, like in any crime, the victim is always the second victim. Like the person perpetrating the crime is usually just enacting something that is had already been done to him. Yeah, yeah. There's something deep within him that was wrong that is now being acted upon somebody else. And so 
um, that that's helped me to get like for compassion's sake, when something goes wrong against me, it feels like, okay, this isn't the first he's like, it does we're all responsible for our actions, but it, it gives, it has, has, it gives me the ability to look upon that person as, well, that's the same. That is, he is also a victim in some way. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's so important to know and to realize when you see, when you see and hear about, um, the sort of things that we are seeing and hearing about. Um, it's also worth mentioning, you know, that as much as I, you know, we, we've talked about as much as I think about what's, what's wrong with America. Um, or that's, you know, what I feel could, could be, um, improved upon at least. Um, there's so much amazing, great stuff happening. And there's also, um, like I was thinking about this, the difference between the, Twitter universe and the reality of when you go outside and you interact with people, it's like a parallel universe. It's totally different. You know, like it's so easy for people to fight and argue on social media and it's a completely unrealistic place. No one, no one, no real dialogue happens. Um, and that sort of is just this sort of toxic environment that sort of exists, but it's not the same as uh, real life America. Like when you go out, I see so many amazing people most of what I see is incredibly loving and encouraging and people working together. You know, like, um, <laughs> yeah, that John, in every, John, in every, that John Stewart place. thing where he was talking about, I think it was right after the election. He was talking about how much, how much of, you know, difference you see being pointed out and, and provoked, um, by people. But then if you look at, um, you know, the way that cars come together for the, the Lincoln Tunnel, you know, going into New York, how everyone from all different backgrounds just goes one after the other and <laughs> goes into line. And, and when you see that happening, I mean, that's happening every day um, in, in around the world and in America. And that to me is um, it's good to remember that that's happening all the time. There are people most people are really getting along and helping each other. Yeah. And, and who who gains from the dissension and who gains from me actually showing compassion? Yeah. Like I rarely gain from an argument. Yeah. And I always win when I show compassion. That's like hands down. I'm the one who wins when that happens, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's, it's totally true. You know what I was thinking of as you were talking about the difference between online, like the, you know, Twitter and Facebook, social yeah. media, so-called social yeah. media. Um, Anti-social. It, it it makes me think of that uh, that that weatherman who's like pretending to be almost blown away in the storm. Oh yeah. And the two people go just walking by. <laughs> totally. Like I, I that's that feels like such. I think a, that just happened in in that hur- in the Florida yes, hurricane. Yes, it, it was. It, that, it's such a poignant <laughs> picture of like, hey, things are going crazy. Yeah. This is wild everything's going to pieces and you're like, yeah. no, it's life is still happening. Yeah. People are still loving each other. There's still great people. There's still problems. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's important to, to pay attention. If I've learned anything from this administration, it's just that I, I need to pay attention and I need to know more about the way that our system works. Um, but I also need to realize that like the news that you see on TV <laughs> I mean, it's there to sell ads, and if if it doesn't sell ads, it doesn't exist. Um, but I also want to be able to get my news from, like I was saying, from my interactions with real people, and you know, in my travels, 
just getting to meet people and talk to people with different opinions from different places, um, that should be as equally important in my mind as the news that I see on TV, you know? Wow, like, yeah. So you've got you've to be able to know what's happening in America, but also balancing that with what I actually see, because what's being shown to me is only there to sell ads. That's the only reason it's there, to a specific audience that has been well-cultivated. You Namely, know? you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun to, one thing that I love to do when anything huge happens, like some sort of big bombshell, big story, is just to flip back and forth between, the, you know, like CNN and Fox and something else, just to see how crazy the, the different the angles are. Yeah. You know, and the time it takes for one to like tell a story, like if it's against the, you know, like one, the left or the right, if it's against the left and people on the right are quick to jump on it if it's on the other side then they need you know they need a little time to get their angle you know so you don't really hear about it on this station for like four hours because they had to sort of cook up a you know cook up something it's just so funny to flip around and um i have to sort of just laugh about it otherwise i get really frustrated but i think that uh in general I'm, i'm learning more and more to sort of get my cues and my um posture towards the world from my actual interactions with people and what i see because I mean, that's as close to reality as I can as I can get, you know. Yeah. Not a filter. Real filtered. people. Real people. Unfiltered. Yeah. Real, um. real news. <laughs> I just had some coffee. <laughs> oh, awesome! All right. Well, thanks so much, John, and um, uh, you know, hope to have you. <laughs> hope to have you back on my program. So. Oh home. yeah, man. <laughs> Good luck with the the project. I'm so proud proud of you, and can't uh, wait to hear these songs. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. Um, that's it, folks. Thanks so much. This is John Foreman. That was John Foreman. <laughs> this is John Watkins. <laughs> All right, bye. All right, folks. We're almost to the end here. Um, but as I said earlier, I want to play this uh, alternate version of the song. This is who we are. Matt Chamberlain's playing drums on this one. I added some bass and some harmonies. Um, a little shameless self-promo. Depending on when you're listening to this, Matt and I have a duo record, which is something we are both very excited about. So check that out. But first, check this out. <laughs> um, yeah, so this ended up being the theme song for the whole podcast. You heard it at the top of the show. But here it is in its entirety. This is This Is Who We Are with a boatload of overdubs.
Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands, or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're You're here to to believe believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.